Amen. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, Tyler. Good morning. How we doing? Good, good. Did y'all enjoy that breakfast this morning? For those of you who didn't, it's gone. All right, so maybe next time. Better luck next time. All right, so Ron, I don't know who you were talking about, uh, about talking. I mean, I know who you're talking about. You're looking at Joey when you were talking about uh, people on stage like to talk, but because uh, I know you weren't talking about me. Because I wouldn't do that. No, I man a few words, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And you were a blessing by not t- intentionally looking at me. So, you know, the way I looked at it, I get paid to do this. So, hey, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> I get paid to talk, all right? Uh, no, but uh, man, uh, good to see everybody here today. And uh, we're excited about the future and about what God's going to do. And, uh, excited for my buddy Jack, and uh, just can't wait to uh, serve with him. And uh, so I uh, want to uh, uh, continue this this theme we started last week of the comeback. You know, and it's it's just that time of year, and um, you know, for some people who um, they hate it, um, like my wife, uh, and uh, this time of year. But uh, for People like me, they love this time of year um, because for a couple months, uh, you know, I tend to get a lot of hollering and yelling out, and it's okay uh, on Saturdays. So, but, uh, you know, not too many comebacks last night, um, but I will say this. Uh, have you ever known that person? you known people who've made those bonehead decisions. Uh, now, wives, don't nudge your husbands um, about that. But, uh, you know, those decisions that seemed great at the moment, but later it was realized that it was a huge mistake. Now, I'm going to um, put myself out there, okay, today. Uh, and I made many bonehead decisions in my life. And um, I'm sure that I will make many more um, in the future. But uh, as a child, uh, many bonehead decisions. And, uh, but thank God uh, that he gave me a mama that was uh, very quick to help remind me of my place. And, um, and to remind me that she loved me. But hey, um, sometimes bonehead decisions come with... Um, results that I wasn't wanting. But one particular one, though, that uh, I will share about was uh, years ago, I think it was 2011, um, Clemson's playing an ACC championship uh, against Virginia Tech, and um, second year of, uh, I believe, uh, no, the first year of a new offense coordinator, and man, we, uh, we had won the ACC championship in like 30 years or something like that. And then, uh, so uh, we're, we're, we're watching that game and uh, on TV and I'm over at the Maxwell's house and um, I'm just being quiet and James is being quiet. Miss Vicky, she's hollering up storm, you know. But um, she, uh, uh, but, uh, but yeah, so we, we win that game and, and I knew that we were going to the Orange Bowl. The Orange Bowl. 
where Clemson won its first national championship. And uh, there's history in the making here, right? Uh, for if you're a Clemson fan. And I'm thinking, that's not too far away. I mean, that's a long drive, but I can do this. So I just go ahead and I get online and I, and I get me two tickets. I wanted to find out that I wasn't going to be able to go. Uh, and uh, my wife's like, you did what? And I'm like, I got two tickets. And oh, I'm going. I said, I got it figured out. I can drive down, stay at my in-laws place in Daytona, drive down to Miami, come back, do it all in about two days. And uh, she's like, you ain't going? I said, yes, I am. I'm worried about tickets. She's like, you better sell them tickets. So make a long story short, the tickets got gone. And, um, but, uh, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that story. But that was, that was just one of those bonehead decisions, you know, that, uh, you know, sometimes we make without asking uh, others uh, in the family, you um, know, if that's possible or not. So, uh, uh, gentlemen, young married folks, uh, gentlemen, uh, just learn from my mistake, all right? So, uh, so I've just kind of, so I've shared with you just a bonehead decision, but today, and all, we're going to look at another young man who had a setback. I know, because of a bonehead decision that he made. If you'll turn with me into Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. This passage, Jesus gives three different parables in this chapter. Uh, one being the parable of the lost sheep, and then the parable of the lost coin, and then in verse 11, where we're going to be uh, the parable of the prodigal son, or your translation may say uh, the lost son. But Verse 11, it says this. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got, all, got together all he had. He set off for a distant country and he squandered his wealth and wild living. After he spent... Everything. There was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him, sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But when he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe. 
put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now, this is a story that many of us have heard uh, Time and time again, we've heard this parable of the prodigal son. And so for some of us, and all, we're, we're thinking, oh, here we go. Here's another sermon. But I want us to understand and all that so many times, and all, as you know, in your own individual reading of the scriptures, we can go back and we can read passages that we've read before. And God can teach us something new from the passage. And I pray that that's... Our, what uh, will happen today. And also, there's about four things that we see in this passage. And I've titled the sermon today, It's Not Too Late to Come Back to God. It's not too late to come back to God. You may be here today, and you may be struggling right now. You may be here today, and you're struggling in your faith You've kind of, maybe you've kind of walked away from, from things, the things that you know. You've kind of walked away from being all in, from being sold out to God, and you're just kind of going through the motions. Or maybe you've made some decisions uh, recently or in the past that, um, that have really got you down. And you, you think, man, and all, there's no way, there's no way that I can come back from this. But the problem with that, that statement is this, that you're relying so much on yourself and not, as, not enough on God for the, your comeback that God has planned for you. So the first thing that we see here in verses 11 and 12, we see the son's discontentment. The son's discontentment. He wasn't happy with his current conversation, current situation or his status. He was there with his father, with his brother, and all with the family, doing the business and taking care of uh, whatever his father asked him to do. And he didn't really have a need in the world. But yet he was discontent. How many times in our lives do we find ourselves being discontent with the things that God has given us that we miss out on the blessing because we always want more? Isn't that what happened in the Garden of Eden? Adam and Eve had everything that they needed. They had everything that they could ever want. And they had access to everything. But yet, as Satan came and tempted, they bought in to the fact that, hey, maybe there is more. When they didn't realize that everything that they had was right there in front of them. How many times in our lives, how many times in your life, and in my life, have we been in that same situation? God's provided above and beyond what we could ask or imagine. He's taking care of our needs.
and we've got all that we really need. But yet we see our neighbor across the street, or we see our friend that we work with, and we see that, hey, they have a little bit more than I do. And Satan will tempt us. Instead of being grateful for what God has given us, we become discontent, and we want more. That's where the son found himself. He had everything that he wanted. And all, but he was like, he fell into the old trap, the, the trap of what we see in America today. Well, I've got all this, but hey, man, I deserve more, right? And all, I deserve more. I want more. I need more. Can I tell you? from someone that's been out of the country to other places. It's one of the only places in America. It's great, but it's one of the only places where we've got more than the majority of the world and we still want more. There's a contentment when when I've gone out of the country There's a contentment with people, man, just enjoying the things that they have and thanking God for what he's given them. And they embrace that and they're grateful for that. The son was not grateful for the things that he was given. He wasn't grateful for what he had. He didn't see it. And all Satan had blinded his eyes for a moment and all to think, and all there's got to be more out there. And all I'm missing out on something by staying here with my father, by staying here at home. And he goes to the son and he says, I mean, he goes to the father and he says, Father, give me my share of the estate. Now that was bold for him to say in those times because you just didn't do that that wasn't the right way of doing it and all but the father gave it to him much like God allows sometimes us to have things that we don't need that we shouldn't have only to let us learn a a hard lesson the discontentment of the son. He wasn't happy in the situation and all, but he didn't see it. Maybe you're here today and, man, you're feeling like the, the son. There's so much more out there. There's so much more that I want that the world has to offer. And that's where he was. We see the son's discontentment. The second thing we see in verse 13 is the son's destructive behavior. Verse 13, not long after that. He didn't waste any time. Not long after that, the younger son got all he had, set off for a distant country, and then squandered his wealth in wild living. Now, I will tell you this. Just confession time. I've squandered a lot of things in my life. I've squandered a lot of things... uh, 
blessings that God has given me. I've squandered a lot, a lot of money uh, in my young years and you know, on um, things that I thought that I had to have, and I had to have it now. Now, if I can tell you young people one thing is this. Um, look around and see what you have. And be grateful for what you have. And when you're grateful and contentment for what, content with what you have, and all, uh, the discontentment will start to disappear. Don't judge by your neighbor here. Judge by the world standards and what others have. And realize that, uh, that God has placed you in a situation where uh, many of you um, have so much more uh, than most children in the world. Even some of the children here in this, this county. But the son's destructive behavior, he took his inheritance and he wasted his money and inheritance on worldly things and wild living. That's what the scripture says. He went out and all... His discontentment led to, to destructive behavior. Not only was he blinded to, re, to, to fail to realize what all he had when he was at home with his father and with his family, and just the glory of that, but Satan also blinded him to the fact that, hey, and all these things right here, these are going to bring you happiness. This is going to bring you a lot of joy. And doesn't he do that to us today, even as believers in Christ? And all, he will try to blind us from the fact that, hey, if you go do this, if you go participate in this activity, if you go participate with your buddies and all on Wednesday night, then that's where you're going to find a lot of joy. That's where you're going to find a lot of happiness, only to realize that that stuff is temporary. His destructive behavior. It just, the, we see this spiraling downward turn because of his dis discontentment. And we, we learn later, his brother even says in verse 30, he says, you know, he squandered your property with prostitutes. Now, we don't know that for sure, but... The, the older son had an idea, the older brother had an idea of the things that, that the son, the younger son, wasted his money on. Wild living, parties. He was, he was living the American dream in his eyes. He was living it up for a while. And God will let you live it up for a while, no, only to bring it down. Because pride goeth before the fall. But God gives grace to the humble. The son's destructive behavior led to so many bad decisions. Maybe you're here today and, and you, you like been there, done that. We all have, in one way or another. We saw what the world has to offer, and like, man, I gotta have it. 
And that's what the son did. The third thing we see here is the son's desperate situation. In verses 14 and 16, and all this, this wild party and this, this fun time, this living it up and all, uh, it came to a crashing end because the son realized that when it's almost like some of those folks that, that win the lottery and they take the lump sum and they don't have discernment and, and how to handle that much money. And you hear stories of how many how many of them, and all, a couple years later, and all, they're broke. Or the NBA athletes that sign these huge contracts, and over half of them, after a couple years, are broke. Why? Because they ended up with a, a lot of money that they never had, and they didn't have the discernment and how to handle it and the responsibility. And they went out and they bought cars and they bought houses and they bought uh, their friends' house, they bought their parents a house because mom, you know, she needs a new house, she needs new cars and all. But yeah, but my cousin needs a new car and all this stuff. And next thing you know, and all, you're reading stories and they're broke. And, and you're, you know, I'm sitting back thinking, dude, how in the world? How in the world are you broke? The son finds himself in a situation that he, he had all this money. He had, he had this money, his inheritance. What was, supposed, what was set aside for him to help take care of him and his family for the rest of their life and their kids. And all, one day, and all, all of a sudden, it's gone. Why? Because he made unwise choices. He made unwise choices with his money. He had a bunch of friends when he was living it up, or so he thought. But let me ask you a question. Where were those friends at when he fell on hard times? They gone. Just as quickly, quick as they came. And if that's something that we need to learn ourselves. And our true friends are going to be there through thick and thin. When you're the poorest of the poor, they're going to be there. If the Lord blesses you financially, they're going to be there. But they're going to be there for you, not for them. This guy had acquaintances. He didn't have friends. He had a lot of friends when he had a lot of money, but now he finds himself in a desperate situation. A famine comes. It says, it hit the whole country, and he began to be in need. It struck the land. He's broke. Here, this son finds himself, once he had so much, and all that he thought he could ever want, to take care of himself. And now he finds himself broke. And he hired to the point where he had to hire himself out as someone else's servant. And I can imagine what, what he's thinking over the time, over these, some of these days, he's thinking back to home and on, thinking, man, you know, we had servants at the house that helped serve us. Here I am and all feeding pigs. So he didn't have a glamorous job. He was broke. And he had an awful job. 
Mike Rowe would say he'd had a dirty job. It says he went out and hired himself to a citizen of the country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with pods. Not only was he broke, not only did he have to hire himself out, but he's starving to death because he don't have anything. And he don't have anything to buy anything. He hired himself out. He's starving in this situation. So you see this path. The son's discontentment led to destructive behavior, led to the desperate situation that he found himself in. And uh, Now, some of us hardliners, we might say, well, you know, you make your bed, you lie in it. That's what my mom used to say, you know, when I was younger. You make your bed, you lie in it. And to an extent, no, there's, there's a lot of good lessons that come out of that. But his desperate situation in that dirty job of feeding the pigs led to the son's discerning moment. In verse 17 through 20, when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? Here I am starving to death. I'll set out, go to my father, and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven, against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to the father. The son's discerning moment. He, he came to his senses. The, the blinders had been taken off this, where Satan had blinded him. God opened up his eyes to realize the situation that he was in. And he comes to his senses and he starts thinking back about home. The place that he had to get away from. That he just had to leave. And now he's thinking back to it. And he's thinking, what have I done? What situation have I found myself into? Here I am starving to death. And he's thinking back home and he's thinking, man, the servants at my dad's house have it better than I do. What am I still doing here in this feeding trough, feeding these pigs, starving to death? There was a moment of repentance in his heart where he realized, hey, and oh, man, I've messed up royally. But I'm going to give it one. I shot. I'm sorry for what I've done. And I don't know if my dad will take me back. But I'm going back home. And I'm going to beg him. Not to take me back as a son. But if he'll just hire me on as one of his servants. He plans to go back to his dad. He kind of, he, he come up with the situation and this uh, big speech that he was going to give his dad. He was going to tell his dad how sorry he was, how repentant he was, how stupid of a decision that he had made when he left home and all the comforts of home. And he goes back to his dad. 
That desperate, that discontentment, which led to desperate behavior, which led to his desperate situation, which God eventually helped him to have a discerning moment. And I'll probably one of the last discerning moments, first discerning moments that he had had in a very long time. Leads us back to the Father's house. Where we see the Father's display of mercy and grace on his life. It says here, he said, so he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. He was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf. We're going to kill it. We're going to celebrate. You see that? Now, some of us would have said, huh, you know, you make your bed, you lie in it. You learn from your mistakes. You know, you're going you're to figure this thing out on your own. But no, this father loved his son so much. And you know, I'm not holding it against you. In that time, I was reading in one of the devotions from the Encouraging Word, which thank you, uh, Carrie and uh, Mike, uh, for that. When a, when a son left home, they would have this thing called the ceremony of shame, in which they would have the ceremony and the son could not ever return. But no, this father had a different idea. He said, not only are we not going to shame him, we're going to celebrate we're going to honor in his honor of coming back, his comeback. You see, he didn't give him, the father didn't give him what he deserved. He gave him what he didn't deserve. He probably deserved to kind of have a little bit of a probation time, if you'll, if you'll let me use that word loosely. And on a little probation time to kind of prove himself, to realize, to prove himself, to prove himself to the dad that, hey, and all, I am serious, and all, I have learned from my mistakes, I've learned from my decisions, and all, and I, I don't want to be that anymore. And he could have made him do the things of what the servants were doing, but no, he didn't give him what he deserved. He gave him what he didn't deserve. He gave him his sonship back. The devotion in the encouraging word says this, because the father, when he looked at the son and all, he didn't look at him on a, on a performance-based thing that, hey, you've not performed the way that you should have, so you're not getting anything back. You're not, get, you're not gonna become all the things, you're not gonna get back all the things that a family member gets to enjoy. No, the father restored his sonship. And we see that in the things that he gave. He says, bring the robe, which signified his identity as a son, not a servant. 
He said, bring the ring, put a ring on his finger, signifying the authority that the son could do business in the father's name. He restored him back to the family business. He said, put shoes on his feet because servants didn't wear shoes these times. Only family members did. The father's display of mercy and grace. He didn't give him what he probably deserved, but he gave him what he didn't deserve. And he showed him grace. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad that my heavenly father shows me grace every day. That he doesn't give me what I deserve for the decisions that I've made or that I make. And that he doesn't give me what I deserve. That what I receive from God the Father is not based on my performance, but on his son's death on the cross. And for that, I'm grateful. What do we learn out of the story? We learn this, that you're not out of the reach of God's grace for your life. For God to give you a God-sized comeback. Even in the midst of your setbacks. That God is loving, He's faithful. And that when He sees us, as believers in Christ, as children of God, that he doesn't see us and our faults. He sees his son. And it's based off of Christ's righteousness that God offers us the grace that we don't deserve, but he so freely gives. Maybe today, you just need to be reminded of that. I know I did. I needed to be reminded that God's love for me, God's faithfulness, is not based on my performance, but on the work of Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary and his resurrection. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Lord, thank you for this time that we can come before you, that we can open up your word, that we can be reminded of your goodness and your faithfulness. And Father, we are reminded that you don't conduct things the way that we would conduct things. That your ways are so much different than ours, that your ways are higher than ours. And God, we are grateful for that. God, I pray today for that one that may be struggling. Maybe they've, they recognize with the son because they've been in that son's shoes lord i pray that today that they would also be reminded that they have a heavenly father that loves them and gave his son jesus down across for their sins and that they, if they would receive the free gift of, of grace through jesus christ that they can be saved that they can be restored not as a servant but as a son or daughter of the Most High God. I thank you for grace and thank you for mercy and how you just so lavishly
give it to us in our times of need. In your name we pray, amen. How has God spoken to you today? Maybe, maybe you kind of recognize with the Son. And you need to make a decision for Christ today. Or you need to repent and you just need to turn back to God. Maybe today and you, rec- you're, you recognize more with the parent, with the father. And you just need to pray for, for your son or for your daughter. Or that brother or that sister, that loved one. To come back to God. Because God does allow comebacks. Let's stand. You respond. I'll be down here if you need to make a decision.